Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolphins and welcome into the Tuesday, November the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Rashad Jones saga that was supposed to last all week has come and gone. We'll unpack that as well as Miami's ever-growing injury report. Plus, we'll recall all the snap counts, PFF grades, and general takeaways from Miami's 13-6 win and sweep of the New York Jets, and lastly, playoffs? That's right, we're talking playoffs, baby. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfulNFL. I'll have the film breakdown gifs for you guys up live today. Follow the show at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. All my work can be found there, as well as some at FanRag Sports, Palm Beach Post, and 3rdand10.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we do have some medicals to get to. Let's go ahead and bring on the Mad Dog. Three injuries to report on today and they aren't really conclusive injuries, just some news on Jawan James, Larry Tunzel, and Ryan Tannehill. Let's go ahead and start with Jawan James, who has an actual diagnosis. He strained a patella tendon after his MRI on Monday. He is hopeful to play on Sunday. He did return to the game against the Jets last Sunday. I have to imagine he'll try to gut this one out with a new contract coming his way, either from the Miami Dolphins or somebody else this coming offseason. We'll see if he can hold up for the final seven games. Laramie Tunzel, nothing official yet, but he did say to reporters on Sunday after the game that the injury was not serious. We really, really hope he's okay because he has been fantastic for the Miami Dolphins this year. And the quarterback, once again, Ryan Tannehill in the news for the Dolphins and their injury report. Adam Gaze once again said he'll make his decision on Wednesday tomorrow for Tannehill or Brock Osweiler, whoever the quarterback is going to be, but it doesn't sound too promising. ESPN's Cameron Wolf, the Dolphins insider for ESPN, said Tannehill, while he hasn't gotten any worse, hasn't really progressed with the velocity and strength of that throwing shoulder. So the Brock coaster figures to continue for another week. Hopefully we can get 17 back for the pivotal game in Indianapolis, but we will cross that bridge when we get there. We have a full podcast for you guys. Let's go. That's another And first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on this Tuesday is brought to you by Vivid Seats. And the first down topic is the same as it was on yesterday's podcast, this Rashad Jones deal. And the Rashad Jones saga-to-be came to a pretty immediate end on Monday as Adam Gaze squashed basically everything controversial about it at his press availability. And the four main points that I covered on my Twitter account after watching Gaze's press conference was this. He, he, the head coach of the team, was not aware of Rashad Jones' unhappiness prior to the game, but it sounds like the defensive staff was privy to it. And on the flip side, the good side of the ledger, Rashad Jones went to Adam Gaze's office on Sunday night and had a conversation about the situation, and they got everything squashed. All is good there between Gaze and Jones. The details of that conversation, however, and any discipline that would come to Rashad Jones would all stay in-house, would all be internal. Adam Gaze is not going to tell us. 
Therefore, I believe we are never going to find out exactly what it was that happened, at least not until Rashad Jones is gone from Miami on another team or otherwise. And I'm sure everybody's worried about him coming back and saying negative things like every other player that has left recently has done, but we are not there yet. And the best news, Rashad Jones will play in Green Bay on Sunday. So the issue about all this stuff about freelancing, that may be a bit overblown because I can see where Jones would have done that in the past, but going over this last tape, that just didn't happen. Miami was robbing the hook zone and flats all game in their cover three and cover one looks. They ran a lot of cover two as well. Jones was doing it just as well as the other backers and safeties were in that game in his limited time. The issue to me has to be the decision to take Rashad off the field instead of TJ McDonald. I'm all for playing Minka Fitzpatrick more snaps and Minka played all but two reps in the game, which is what he should be doing every single Sunday as he is already one of the best players on this Dolphins team. But pulling Jones for Minka when you easily could have taken McDonald off the field I'd be pissed too if I were Jones because there is a big talent gap between Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. That's just flat out dumb management. And apparently this discrepancy goes beyond this week as Jones has not been thrilled with Matt Burke's communication with the defense and blaming the complex nature of the defense and a lot of the breakdowns they've had on Matt Burke's communication issues. So in my opinion, I would think it would be wise for Matt Burke to kind of change his operating procedure to try to save his bacon this year because going against your best players, that's just not going to work. And sure enough, they simplify the plan in this game and have their best showing all year. So Rashad Jones is all good now, but it brings into question the long-term staying power of Matt Burke and this defensive staff. Nonetheless, that provides a perfect segue into our next topic here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the Tuesday, November the 6th podcast. Travis Winkle with you guys here as always. We're going to talk about playoffs later on on the podcast. And don't get me wrong, that's still where my headspace is at. After all, we've only got seven more weeks of guaranteed Dolphins football this year. But it is my job to report both on the day-to-day operations, but also keep in mind the big picture, the Michael Scott and Jim Halpert hybrid of post-Jan Levinson and Ryan Howard management, if you will. So hear me out on this idea. At five and four, it's difficult to envision a scenario where Adam Gaze is not back next year. You may agree or disagree with that, but that's where we are. I think five and 11 was about his breaking point as far as his job security this season. And with the Bills twice on the schedule, he's going to go seven and nine at worst. I mean, let's be honest, that Buffalo Bills team is one of the worst NFL teams I have ever seen. How they won two games is a total mystery to me. So Gaze will be back regardless, in my opinion. But I don't think they'll just go back into the season without any changes. And with this Rashad Jones saga following what was a pretty good plan from Matt Burke to take away the run and force Donald to win from the pocket... Burke's goodwill kind of goes out the window when Miami's best player, a future Ring of Honor member, showing some disconnect with Matt Burke. Gaze and Jones are good. That's clear. Jones is a Gaze guy, and I think that relationship is ultimately what repaired things so quickly right here. But if Burke, a first-time inexperienced defensive coordinator, is refusing to hear the pleas of his star player, what does that say about him? Is he that egotistical? I think that's the downfall for a lot of coaches at this level. Sean McVay, on the other hand, his brilliance is that he's open to ideas from everybody. He casts a wide net and takes suggestions and criticism from everybody he can. 
Burke and maybe somewhat like Adam Gaze might not be the same way. So Burke has to be the fall guy. This defense is loaded with talent. They hit on two more draft picks this year in Fitzpatrick and Baker, in addition to two hits last year on the interior defensive line in Godshaw and Taylor. McMillan looks like he could be a base down linebacker for the long term on top of Xavier Howard and Bobby McCain as young studs. This defense has a bright future. And talking about Minka and Baker, the guy that I think could employ a 3-4 scheme that I want and utilize the pieces in this defense is the sure-to-be-fired Todd Bowles of the New York Jets. I think he'd be a great fit. The odd front, the hybrid coverages, similar zone and man concepts to what they do now, and the way he used the Honey Badger in Arizona, I think he could really maximize Minka Fitzpatrick as well as Jerome Baker in this defense. I think he would be a great fit for the future. But enough about the future. That's my quota for the day on Future Talk. We're going to get back to the present in the next segment and get you caught up on the aftermath from the Dolphins win over the New York Jets. We'll get to that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. And when the Dolphins return home on December the 2nd, you can go see the Miami Dolphins live and in action with Vivid Seats. I'm going to be there. Will you? Vivid Seats is the premier online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, whether it's sports, concerts, theater, whatever it is, Vivid Seats can help you find the seats to your favorite live event. Vivid Seats offers easy purchasing experiences and has great prices. And with the podcast code locked on, one word locked on, listeners can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are a first time customer of Vivid Seats. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code locked on for 20 bucks off orders $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. That's Vivid Seats helping you get to your favorite live event. It's a Tuesday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, recapping the Dolphins' win over the Jets 13-6 as the Dolphins have swept the New York Jets for the second time in the last three seasons. Travis Wingfield with you guys here, as always, on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And we're going off of the aftermath piece here up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can find that right now on the featured window. And talking about the offensive snap counts, one of the issues I've had with Adam Gaze and this coaching staff is what... I believe to be mismanagement of the talent on the roster, and these snap counts are a great indication of exactly that. Miami played 57 reps on offense on Sunday. Frank Gore got 29 of those reps. Kenyon Drake got 28. The touches obviously were a big difference there, as Frank Gore had double the touches of Kenyon Drake. Kalen Balazs found four reps in the game on Sunday, so I hope to see more of him going forward. The wide receiver position, once again, another one of these groups that I just can't make sense of. Adam Gaze, what is it? Do you love Devontae Parker? Do you hate him? Two weeks ago, he was a healthy scratch. Now he leads the way with 51 reps on Sunday. Danny Amendola had 47. Jakeem Grant just had 29. And Kenny Stills, we knew he was injured, played only 28 on that banged up ankle. But still, Parker 51, Grant 29. I don't like that. Tight ends, Nick O'Leary had 33, Gasicki had 27, and Durham Smythe had 9. The offensive line was 57 for Ted Larson, Travis Swanson, and Jesse Davis. Laramie Tunzel played 50, Jawan James played 40, and Zach Stirrup had 24. We'll get back to the offensive line's lack of production 
But real quick, just going over the Dolphins receiver room as they stack up currently on ProFootballFocus.com. You guys can subscribe there at ProFootballFocus.com. Devontae Parker is the 42nd highest graded receiver. Jakeem Grant, 53rd. Amandola, 70th. And Kenny Stills, 93rd. Albert Wilson was 15th before he got injured. So this group not really getting it done cumulatively right now. I know Kenny Stills is kind of the forgotten man as he had just one target from Brock Osweiler. And this is two catches in three games with Brock Osweiler. That's not enough for your big time receiver in Kenny Stills. And speaking of Brock Osweiler, he had a very bad grade from the folks at PFF on Sunday, missing several throws. He checked in with about a 50 grade, I believe it was, up on PFF, a failing grade, so to speak. And a lot of that could be attributed to how bad this Dolphins offensive line was in this game. They had to shuffle Zach Stirrup into the game, both for an injured Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James. And on 12 pass blocking reps, Zach Stirrup gave up three sacks. That's Dallas Thomas bad. That's worse than Dallas Thomas. Ted Larson was almost as bad as that. He had six pressures allowed on just 30 pass blocking reps and a run blocking grade of 28.8. James's run blocking grade, 39.7. Travis Swanson, 36.4. And Jesse Davis, 38.4. Failing is 59%. And those guys were all well below half of that. Not good enough for the offensive line in this game. And going back to the Dolphins running backs, Frank Gore had 2.7 yards per carry. 44 of his 53 rushing yards came after initial contact. Just a dreadful day for the entire Dolphins offense all the way around. But on defense, things were good. And the snap counts, the Rashad Jones thing threw it into a bit of a a different world than we're used to. But Minka Fitzpatrick got out there for 65 of the 66 reps, 98% of the snaps. That's great to see. McDonald was out there for 62. Jones only played 10 reps. And Walt Aikens got six defensive snaps on Sunday. The cornerbacks, Xavier Howard played every snap. Bobby McCain only played 54 back into the slot, 82% of those snaps. Torrey McTire got 27, and Cornell Armstrong got his first 14 on defense this year. That was cool to see. I hope to see more of him going forward. The linebackers, Kiko played every snap. Jerome Baker is clearly the number two linebacker now, and mostly because of the nickel package. He played 54 reps over McMillan's 36 reps. Stephon Anthony saw one snap on Sunday. And moving up to the defensive line, Robert Quinn had 40 snaps, Cam Wake 38, Andre Branch 36, and Cam Malvo 28. So a healthy rotation there. No matter who the bodies are, they're going to play all eight of their defensive linemen. As the defensive tackle rotation went Devon Godshaw 37, Akeem Spence 38, and Ziggy Hood and Sylvester Williams had 24 snaps each in the game. So Miami wants to play eight guys on that defensive line, and it worked out pretty good for them. But going back into the secondary, the best grade of the day, and it might even be the season high grade for a Dolphin defender, was TJ McDonald. He got a 91.9 defensive grade with eight tackles, three run stops, and an interception. A very, very impressive day there. Minka Fitzpatrick allowed just one out of three balls to be completed for 11 yards. He is terrific once again. Bobby McCain was back to his usual ways in the slot, had two great tackles in the open field, one for a run stuff. The other forced a Jets punt, and he had three out of five passes complete for 35 yards. Xavier Howard, same story, three for six for 31 yards. Both those guys were exceptional in coverage, along with Minka Fitzpatrick. Back to the defensive line, Cam Wake had a day. He registers nine pressures, two of those are sacks, two of those are hits, the other five were hurries, and he had three stops in the run game. He was fantastic in this one. Jerome Baker had the big pick six, we all know about that, but he was lights out all day as it was. Three run stops, 
15 yards on three pass targets and a passer rating of 11.1 allowed against him. Raekwon McMillan, not a great grade because of two missed tackles, but he did have three run stops and he was good in coverage in this game, as well as Kiko Alonso playing kind of like he does, gets the big takeaway to boost his day, but all things told, allowed five completions on nine targets for 85 yards, but the interception really brought that passer rating down to 48.1. And then up front, Devon Godshaw really stepped his game up when they needed him. I talked about the rotation, but Godshaw and Spence playing well was a must and Godshaw got it done. He ate up double teams all day long, was impossible to move off of his spot and created a lot of those lanes for those linebackers to make play. So the defense played much better than the offense. Right now, both groups are still around the bottom of the league in most statistical categories. The offense, 28th in both yards per game and plays ran. Only five teams have less first downs than the Miami Dolphins. And at 20.8 points per game, the Dolphins scoring offense is 24th in football. They do have the seventh best starting field position in the NFL, a nod to the special teams there, but they are 29th in average drive time and 27th in third down conversion rate. And defensively, 25th in total defense, 19th in scoring defense, but they do have the most interceptions in the NFL at 15. Those takeaways and red zone defense are the answer for the question, how the hell are the Dolphins a winning football team at 5-4? and four? The Dolphins have allowed scores on just 51.6% of red zone trips in the NFL, ninth best in the league. So that's your update on the stats, on the snap counts, everything there. If you guys want to read more, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the aftermath piece for the Dolphins and Jets. It wasn't a masterpiece by any means, but a win is a win is a win, and Sunday's win puts Miami back into the thick of the AFC wildcard race, and we'll discuss that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. We are back on the Tuesday, November the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Winkfield with you guys here as always. And next we're going to do a segment that I bet most of you guys didn't think was a possibility even before Sunday. But yet here we are talking all about Uh, playoffs. And it wouldn't be a, a playoff segment if you didn't bring Jim Mora on. And I know it's a bit played out, but it's a classic and I still love it. And the reason I wanted to have Jim Mora come give us that classic saying was because just looking over the AFC playoff picture, there are five really good teams that are basically, in my opinion, already in. But there is one spot left for a bunch of ragtag teams that really have just as many holes as the Miami Dolphins do, whether it's injuries, coaching, off it, whatever it is, whatever you want to say about the Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tennessee Titans, the five members of that competition all have glaring issues of their own, and we're going to go over those team schedules right now. So first, the Cincinnati Bengals, 5-3, and three, a half game better than the Miami Dolphins, are the biggest competition on this list, mainly because, one, they're better than them record-wise, and two, they have that head-to-head win. If only Miami didn't lose Laramie Tunzel in that game, they'd probably close it out, get the W, and save their quarterback's health. What a difference that would have made. But here we are. That's not where we are in reality. Reality is we're four, five and four behind those Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals play the Saints at the Ravens, the Browns twice, at the Chargers, and at the Steelers. In that mix of games, there are plenty of losses to be had. And they are now down A.J. Green for at least two to three weeks. I'm betting it'll be even more. So without A.J. Green on that roster, that offense is completely different. And to me, the Bengals are going to fade 
probably out to around eight and eight or nine and seven, which brings in the next team, the Baltimore Ravens, and a similar schedule for the Ravens. They have the Bengals again after a bye week. They play at the Falcons, at the Chiefs, and at the Chargers, and are home for the Browns, Bucks, and Raiders. To me, there's three more losses in that schedule, maybe even two, which brings you to nine and seven, eight and eight. Once again, the range the Dolphins will find themselves in. And then you have this AFC South mess, which it's hard to sort who is the best of these three teams because, frankly, all three of them aren't that good. The Indianapolis Colts are a threat because they have the best quarterback and their schedule is super light. They do play the Jaguars, Titans, and Dolphins, their next three games, all at home. If they win all three of those games, they have to be the favorite with road games at the Jags, at the Texans, at the Titans, and then home games with the Cowboys and Giants. They really could win any of those games. They could lose any of those games. But I think the Dolphins and Colts in week number 12 in Indianapolis could be the difference in a playoff berth for either of those teams. So they figure to be the next highest competition, in my opinion, behind the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe the Baltimore Ravens. Up next, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, they play the Colts twice. So hopefully those teams kind of split or the lesser team wins one of those games, whatever it is. I think eventually they knock each other off. The Jags do have games against the Steelers and of course against the Dolphins late in the season, as well as the Texans and Bills and Redskins. So they could be in that 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine and seven range as well. And then Lastly, I'm recording this podcast just before the Titans kick off tonight in Dallas, but they are currently 3-4. and four. They have the head-to-head non-tiebreaker over the Miami Dolphins with our win on opening day. I mentioned they have the Cowboys, the Patriots. They're at the Colts and Texans, as well as at the Giants. Home for the Jaguars, Jets, Colts, and Redskins. So you figure they find themselves somewhere in that 8-8, eight, 9-7 eight and eight, nine and seven range once again, like I've been talking about on this entire segment. I just think that nine wins with the right tiebreakers could actually do it for this Miami Dolphins team and not because they're great or because they really are deserving, but the sixth seed in the wild card race once again in the AFC really doesn't have a favorite or a team that really looking to seize that spot in the playoff race. So as long as Miami can find themselves four more wins the rest of the way, two with the Bills, I think you have to consider Givens, given just how bad that Bills team is. And then if you can find two wins in the other five over the Packers, Colts, Vikings, and Jaguars, they might get in. Who knows? Crazier things have happened. I'm not predicting it right now, but I don't think the Dolphins are any worse than any of those teams we just talked about, and one of them has to get in. All right, before I finish the podcast here, I would be remiss not to mention a very happy anniversary to the soon-to-be Mrs. Wingfield. Today is the three-year anniversary of our first date, and we will be getting married in April in Hawaii. And that girl, man, I tell you what, that woman has made my life so much better than it was before I met her. It's amazing how little you know about a great relationship before you actually find one. Because before her, I dated a bunch of really, how do I put this? undeserving girls of a relationship of my attention but she's different and that's why I put a ring on it I'll leave you guys with this she's already agreed to name our firstborn child Cameron boy or girl and that request came from me via our legendary pass rusher current Miami Dolphin hopefully future Hall of Famer Cam Wake but it's also her maiden name so it works out both ways but still a very nice gesture on her part 
So again, a very, very happy anniversary to my fiance, Kaylin. All right, guys, I'll be back with you guys tomorrow on the Crossover Wednesday podcast as we'll begin prep for the Green Bay Packers. The aftermath piece is up live on Locked On Dolphins right now, and we'll have the Jeff breakdown for you guys on Twitter today throughout the course of the day, breaking down all the defensive and offensive plays from the Dolphins win over the Jets. But as for now, that is my time on today's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.